Good morning. We're, uh, we're going somewhere this morning. Kids are getting out of here. So real quick, we've been, we've been talking about the grace of God this past month now, whole month of February, and we're going to continue to. But we prayed, two, we, we sang two things this morning. One in the, in the last song we said, it said, come believe it, come receive it. With the grace of God, that is what it is. That's what it's like. Come believe it, come receive it. And it really is that simple. Because in the mighty name of Jesus, all things are possible. And then we sang this. This was our first song. When the foundations are firm... The storms don't matter. The foundations are firm, the storms don't matter. Because when you're in the boat with Jesus, you are secure. Amen? Yes. You are secure. And I think what happens with the grace of God, and it's, it's, it, I'm asking the Lord to correctly put it in my own mind. God's grace is enough for your life. And it's enough for the hardships. It's enough for the tough times. It's enough for whatever you're going through that you would say, I wish this wasn't present in my life. Now, we continue to still pray, Lord, intervene miraculously. But His grace is also the miraculous, miraculous, in that I don't deserve it and you don't deserve it, and yet He chooses, I'm going to lavish you in my favor. If you come, believe it, come receive it. I have something for your life that is enough. It's my grace. So, because there's freedom found in His grace. There's freedom found in His grace, a freedom to live as you were created to live, a freedom from maintaining a picture or facade that you think people want to see or should see. There's, there's a freedom in that. There's a satisfaction. There's a power in living by His grace. The goal isn't, the goal isn't that I would only have one interaction with God's grace. The goal is on God's part, that we would live in His flows of grace, that our life would be defined by it because we are created for it. We were created from the beginning to dwell in God's unmerited, undeserved favor. You did nothing for Him to choose to create you. You did nothing for you, for you to exist and then Him say in your existence, I love you. And I'm going to pour into you. Just come believe it, receive it. This is who I am. I am God. And I, we sent out this text yesterday that said this. He sits on the throne of grace, him, he who is grace. He who is grace. This is, this is part of who he is. This is an attribute of God. He is grace. And he is looking to pour it out on you. So we're going to talk about two things this morning. We're going to talk about his grace, that his grace is enough that there's contentment in His grace in all things, but also this, the process 
of that contentment and receiving and stepping into the flows requires of us a humility. So we're going to go there this morning. And we're starting in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. This is a pretty familiar verse. Although if you're like me, for a long time, very confusing verse. It was very, what is this? I'll come back to this later. <laughs> this is one of those verses. You ever have some of those verses? I'm going to come back to this later. Still do. Yeah. Still do. So, let's read this. So, to keep me from becoming conceited, this is Paul speaking, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak then I am strong. We're not focusing a whole ton on the first part. It's a whole sermon in itself, this thorn in the flesh. But I do want to do a brief explanation. Paul said he's given this thorn in the flesh. What Satan meant to harm him, to be a disrupt, to come and harass his life, and he wanted this thing removed. But the Lord says, I actually have my own purposes in this. What the enemy meant for evil, I mean for good. And I'm going to purpose this life, I'm going to repurpose this to actually benefit you. So I'm going to thwart the enemy, and I'm going to have my own way. At the most basic level, the thorn in the flesh makes obvious your humanity makes obvious your humanity, your weaknesses, both makes them clear to you and often others around you for the purpose of humility that you would remain in God's grace. And we're going to explain that. Its purpose can be said to, it, it, it punctures pride and keeps us humble, humble. It's protecting us from ourselves so that God working in our weakness, instead of removing the weakness, this actually becomes an act of His gracious love for you. Because God understands the poison that pride is in your life. Amen? He understands the poison that pride is in your life. So, there are going to be moments in our life where He is going to say, I'm going to keep you humble. And if you will stay here, here's what's here, my grace. My grace. And God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient, even for our weaknesses. And a correct understanding of our weaknesses in light of God's grace leads us to enjoy our life in Christ as God uses our weaknesses for His purposes unleashing His power in a display that brings glory to His name. That's on the podcast. You go listen to it later. Break it down. I don't know. 
A correct understanding of our weaknesses actually helps us to understand further God's grace, helps us to understand further His power in relationship to my weakness. Is this making sense? Okay, and we're going we're gonna to continue just like, this is like an onion. I'm taking a layer off at a time, okay? And we're going to get down there. And what we mean by we're, when we're saying weaknesses, we're, we're talking about your ability. And so this isn't just your physical strength, but your ability in life. Let's talk about your ability to provide. Let's talk about your ability to weather the storms that life throws at you. How many of you guys have been through a storm? And how many of you got, it out, got out of it because of you? Oh, no, you saw my hand go, I tricked you, I tricked you. No, you got out of it because of the Lord. It had nothing to do with your ability. In fact, in fact, your inability to get through that storm still exists. Your abil- inability to get through still exists because you didn't rely on your ability The Lord gave you power, endurance, but where did that source from? That source from the Lord. Who got you through it? The Lord did. What did he do with your weakness? He said, this is actually going to be a point where I'm going to display my glory even brighter because there's no reason why you should survive this storm. There's not beyond my grace in your life. I'm sure there's something everyone's going through right now. And now... We're always praying that the Lord do, do something miraculous. We're always praying that you be healed. We're always praying that the Lord come in and step in. And if you can't remove this, but if the answer is, I'm going to keep this here in this form for your benefit, then there's actually a joy we can have in that. So your weakness won't get in the way of God's grace. It won't get in the way of God's grace. In fact, it often postures you in humility in such a way that you remain in the flows of God's grace. Our lives being designed to be lived in His grace. And this is the truth that God reveals to Paul in this this moment. And we're praying the Lord reveal to us again and again throughout our lives, but this morning, reveal to us this truth, that your weaknesses aren't signs of His absence. Your weakness is not a sign of His absence in your life. The fact that you're going through something is not a sign that you're weak right now. It's good, yeah. When we look around the world, you know, one of my first things that goes on in my mind when we have a a global event that is happening in any nation as I think about the church in that area. And I think, Lord, remind them that you haven't left them. Because your weakness is not a sign that he has abandoned you. And it's not a hindrance to his work in your life. Nothing's going to stop what he wants to do, let alone what you may consider an inability or a weakness in your life. And it's a reminder to us that our inability apart from God, it reminds us of our inability apart from God, our weaknesses, and shows others of his immeasurable power that he can use the enemy's purposes for evil for his good purposes. Seems like every time the enemy throws a spear, the Lord just reshapes that thing and repurposes it into what he wants. 
Do you understand this? And as you live in the, in the flows of God's grace, this is just a side note, as you live in the flows of God's grace, the target on your back by the enemy just becomes bigger. He doesn't want you there. He, he wants you out of there. Get out, get out of those flows of grace. And so what actually happens is the attacks on you by the enemy will probably increase. They'll probably increase. There's always a correlation between you living the life you're designed and created to live and an increase in the enemy coming to try and disrupt. Because when you live that life that the Lord has created you to live, you're continually giving testimony about the greatness of God your life is. Look at this. In, in uh, John 11, we get this story about uh, uh, Lazarus dying. Lazarus dies. And Jesus comes and raises Lazarus from the dead. Miraculous. That, next, that evening or the next day, he's there eating, eating dinner with everyone and having a great time. But then it says, soon after this, um, it says, yeah, there were Jews that wanted to kill Jesus. And then it says, and Lazarus too, because he gave testimony to who Jesus was. He got thrown in there because he was raised from the dead. They're like, get back in that grave. He just got thrown into the, in, into the fold because he was in the grace of God. And his life gave testimony to it. So as you step in, yeah, there's going to be things coming out of nowhere. To understand, uh, Paul's understanding of God's sufficient grace resulted in these two things. It resulted in these two things. And I'm sure there's more, so this isn't an extensive thing. But one, contentment. Contentment. Thanksgiving and boasting in his weaknesses without the removal of them. He's content. And then humility. An understanding of his dependence on God's grace because of who God is and who I am. Humility is actually an understanding of who I am. It's an accurate view of who I am before God Almighty, dependent on Him. So let's look at contentment real quick. First part of verse 10 says this, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses. And this sounds like what he says in uh, Philippians, where he says, I have learned in whatever situation... I am to be content. Know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secrets of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You're familiar with that, yeah? We often take this all things through him who strengthens me as he who takes away all of my pain and struggle and everything. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, no, 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 I am content in whatever now because the Lord has made this clear to me that His grace is enough. I may have a lot of earthly things, but His grace is the one that says I have enough. I may, I may feel like I have nothing on this earth. His grace is enough. So I know how to be content. I am content in my weaknesses and in my hardships and in the insults that come my way and the persecutions. And this comes right after when he's talking about all that. He gives a list of all of the things that he's been through. Shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and, and, and people want to kill him now. He's in prison, all of this stuff. This is a man who the Lord reveals, my grace is sufficient 
And he takes that and says, I am content. Then I am content. Content is this. It's a state of satisfaction, a state of peaceful happiness with the way things are. Paul's usage of it is actually more like it's thinking well of and peaceably of. Now I think well of my weaknesses. I look at my weaknesses, I'm at peace with them because I have a better understanding of God's grace in my life when I'm stepping into His flows. Contentment as a result of God's grace is no longer seeing the weaknesses we live in as things that hold us back. Not every weakness or inability in your life is something that holds you back. Because God will remove the weakness in His power and grace, or He won't in His same grace and power. Either way, God is our strength. Psalm 46, the first verse saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Basically meaning at every point in your life, every second you have lived, God has always been there as a help and a refuge for you to reach out to. And that is true in the midst of your time of trouble. He's going to bring you through it. Or in his miraculous glory, he's going to come in and he's going to remove it. But both are a result of his power. Amen? And so we want to see the removal of this hard thing as an equal gift as him giving you, the, giving you grace without the removal of it. Both are a gift because you have His grace, which is, a, which is sufficient. So I love the song that we sang that says, believe it, receive it. Because that's what you need in this moment, is to receive His grace, which He is giving freely. But receive it. Contentment in life does not come from the removal of hard, difficult things. Contentment comes from a life lived in the grace of God. A life where power and strength are provided for from God. Not power and strength provided by Stephen and then supplemented by God. Power and strength solely by God. How many of you guys have tried to get through something yourself? After realizing you can't, then run to God. And that's an okay way of doing it. We all have to come to that point in in many, actually, many instances of our life. You to realize, I can't do it. But the intent is that you would live in God's strength, in His grace, that you would constantly be relying on it, and that there would be no confusion about whose power is getting you through this circumstance. Sometimes our pursuit of a more satisfying life leads us to wish all hurdles and obstacles were just gone, right? Our pursuit of satisfaction can sometimes lead us to, to wish life was just easier. And especially in our modern day, we just think that a better life means it is, is the same as an easier life. A better life and an easier life, they're, they're the same. That's not the same. That's just the sales pitch of every item thing ever. Once you become the proud owner of this, your life is going to be easier and thus more satisfying, Right? 
And there, where, where do you buy it? Yeah, you buy it. Well, every day Amazon's throwing all sorts of stuff at my... I didn't know they existed, but all of a sudden I know I need it. <laughs> a better life isn't an easier life. And we know this because, listen, life today in general is easier than 100 years ago. We have all sorts of luxuries, right? Luxuries that I'm glad, glad with. I, I, I'm not sure how you guys raise kids way back then. I don't know how you guys, I don't know how you got anywhere. Um, it, okay. And, and that's the point. It was simpler. More, easier, doesn't mean better, right? Because we have more. We have easier, but every single year, there's a poll that comes out that says Americans are, are more, are, 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 sorry, I got to rephrase this. <laughs> Americans are at their lowest happiness level ever compared to some time in the past, right? Just about any group of Americans. It's all these polls. Like, and, and everyone's trying to figure out why are we, why, we have everything. We have the internet. We got cars that drive people around. You don't even have to drive anymore if you don't want to. You know, all of this stuff. You're like, why are they so, because easier doesn't mean better. It doesn't. A satisfied, content, the life that you're actually looking for is found in the flows of God's grace. You position yourself there, and that's where your satisfaction is found. Amen? Amen. Human weakness is not why we're unhappy. It's not. Human weakness is not why we're unhappy. We've convinced ourselves that once everything's easier, I'll be happy. Life, life then would be within my strength and within my ability. But at no, at no point did God ever intend for you to rely on you. He intended for you to rely on Him. Amen? Amen? A satisfied life which brings contentment is a life completely dependent on God's strength. Completely. Completely dependent on God's strength regardless of yours. Regardless of yours. And I know some of you guys are figuring this out way before me. But as you get older, you get weaker. It just happens. Our bodies deteriorate, Right? I'm not talking about mental capability. Some of you guys are way smarter than me, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just a physical, physical strength. But there, there are people that can, that can barely move that are satisfied just because they're in the flows of God's grace. Because His grace is enough. His grace is what matters. What we often want when we're calling on God's name what we often want in general is we want power as an escape from weakness. We want power as an escape from weakness, but God means to offer and display His power in your weakness. Are you okay with Him displaying His power in your weakness? Because it means the weakness still exists. It's going to stay there. 
It's going to stay there. Now, Paul's prayer isn't wrong. He prayed it three times. His prayer is not wrong. We, at the end of service, you're dealing with something. And we did it just, just here. We were worshiping, praying that the Lord intervene in your life, praying that by some miraculous uh, power of His will, He would come in and intervene in your life and others and, and all of this stuff. Those aren't wrong prayers. They're not. Not at all. We're going to continue praying them. It's a good thing because those prayers are actually an omission of our weakness and a declaration of His power. Or we're saying, you are the powerful one, not me, so I need you to intervene. I need you to join us here and, and intervene. Lord, he is, he, he is able, right? He is able. He can take these hardships, weaknesses, calamities. And he can take them away. And oftentimes he does. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. But God isn't a yes man and may say no. He may say no. God's answer to Paul, no. His reasoning, my grace. My grace is enough. It's sufficient. And if you need more reasoning, take this with you, because in your weakness, my power is all the more. My grace is enough. My grace is your answer. My grace is all you need. Because life wasn't meant to be lived on my own strength, but his. Life wasn't meant to be lived with a reliance on my strength. In your hardship, still exists God's favor in your life. It looks like supplying you strength. It looks like giving you endurance. It looks like giving you knowledge and wisdom and the things you need in that moment. This is what it looks like. He's going to supply you with His power in your weakness. Situations you're going through, he's looking to give you the power for it. I'm going to display my power in this situation in your life. I think this is why Paul almost sounds gleeful now about his weaknesses. He's like, wait a second, even in my weaknesses, you're going to show up? This is great. This is great news. You're going to show up here in my weaknesses so I can be, I can be, I can have a new outlook, a new perspective on this. And because of my new perspective, I now have a new attitude toward my weaknesses and my inability because God's going to show up in them. Did you ever, ever, ever wondered, this is a secret that I learned? Well, I didn't learn. It was actually told to me many years ago, I think by Eric. Is the quickest way to change someone's attitude about something or to change your attitude about something, to change your perspective on it. And God instantly gives them a new perspective on his weaknesses. And instantly, his next step, attitude completely different about it. All of a sudden, now he's boasting about his weaknesses. In God's grace, there is strength, there is sustaining power, and there is sufficient provision for your circumstance. There is. To sustain you in discomfort, distress, and afflictions, 
Everything that seems to be threatening your joy, His grace is sufficient to bring you joy in those moments. Amen. Amen. And it's curious that Paul's response instantly flips. He's praying, Lord, remove these. And then the Lord gives him his, his response and says, no, my grace is sufficient. My, my power is made perfect in your weakness and all this. And Paul's, Paul completely changes his attitude toward it. And then, well, but what happened? The circumstance wasn't actually changed. The weakness still exists. It never went away. He still goes through, you know, his life was full of hardship because circumstance isn't what measures our contentment or our satisfaction or our joy. It's by the grace of God that we measure our satisfaction. And we have, as John puts it, grace upon grace through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Believe it. Receive it. Grace upon grace. Christ Jesus. And His grace is eternal, it is freely given, and it is sovereign. That means this, it is everlasting. It's not going away. And there is sufficient supply, right? No empty, no empty. It's freely given. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He's just presenting it to you. Take it, come believe it, come receive it. And sovereign, he's the one who sits on the throne of grace and he throws his grace and flows his grace wherever he chooses. And he's chosen you. Amen? Eternal, freely given, sovereign grace. This is what we are offered. Sorry, my, my notes flung all the way back to the top. Gosh. See? Paper wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Paper would have flew everywhere. This is an amazing gift that we have been given from God. It results in contentment leading to thanksgiving. But contentment in our weaknesses because of God's grace starts from humility. It starts from humility. And we can be honest about our inability because of who God is. I can take an honest look at him. I can say I need, I, I need not hide them. I need not pretend they aren't there or highlight my strengths so others only see my strengths and don't see my weaknesses so my weaknesses can be ignored. I can be honest about who I am because of who he is. I don't have to give an excuse for why I'm going through what I'm going through. His grace is enough in these situations. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 God is there to help all who come and believe. I'm help. Actually, he's he's helped those who don't even know. He's helped them, right? Who don't even who don't even know him. But this contentment, his his grace, this receiving his grace. And if you claim the the, the name of Jesus, you've been there. It started with humility, where you said, "I need you." Right? Amen. I need a savior. I need saving. That, that is humility. 
in honest fashion, I can say this is difficult, this is a struggle, this is taking a lot out of me. But in that humility, I can simultaneous take, simultaneously take hold of the truth that in this weakness, he is strong. In my struggle, he is with me and supplies all I need in his grace. His hand of favor hasn't abandoned me. Humility and struggle allows me to reach out for the help I need. Humility postures me to receive what God is giving freely. God's giving it. It's no, there's no act of, of work on your end. It does require you to believe and receive, though. Believe and receive. Make it a bumper sticker. Do people do bumper stickers? Tweets? I don't know. So Paul takes ownership of his weakness as his weakness. This is my inability. I'm not strong enough. God is strong enough. Recognizing them for what they are and in that humility positions himself to receive God's grace through Christ. And Christ's power rests on him. In humility, we're stepping into the life-giving river of God's grace. And I'm trying to word this in a way that it doesn't, it's not, it's not a works thing. Nothing on you to do it. It's just you receiving the work of Christ. You receiving what he is giving. But humility postures us in that. Not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. In James, it says this, James 4, 6, but he, gives, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility postures us to receive. It postures where we say, Lord, I need you. I'm relying on you. I, co- I come to you recognizing who I am and who you are. Where you're Humility postures you with open arms, on knees bowed to the Lord. Humility postures you with crossed arms, saying, and a puffed up chest, I don't need you. The way God responds to that is, well, now you have actually positioned yourself against me. You've positioned yourself against me. That brings into the question, well, is the resistance that you're facing in your life a result of the enemy, a result of your, your prideful posture against the Lord? It's a whole nother sermon. We're not getting into it. But I do want to say this. Uh, in, uh, I believe it's First Peter. Um, I just put Peter. But what, what Peter does is he, he kind of gives us this imagery of putting on a cloak of humility. And I love this imagery because it's like I'm approaching a closet full of wardrobe, and he's saying, choose humility. Choose it. You get up in the morning, choose humility. In those situations that you just want to cross your arms, say, no, choose humility. Because humility allows, positions you and postures you to receive the grace that your life needs in this moment. The last thing your life needs right now is pride getting in the way of you receiving the grace the, the flows of God's grace. Amen? It's the last thing it needs. Choose humility. 
Whenever there is a call to humility, it's an invitation to God's grace. Every call to humility is a call and an invitation into God's grace. You're being challenged to forgive. You're being challenged to repent. Service to others, submission to one another. It looks like, uh, 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 it looks like you were saying you were wrong when you weren't. Eric had a story about that last week. It, it, it looks like taking lessons from people you see as lesser than you. It actually looks like not seeing people as lesser than you. Whenever there's a call to humility, it's an invitation to step into God's grace. Come, step in it. Rest in here. Live here. Put on that cloak of humility. That's going to, any, any of you guys, I know oftentimes my, my wardrobe isn't uh, the most diverse wardrobe. It's a lot of blacks and stuff. In the summer, it's all tank tops. Be known for that one thing you put on. <laughs> Be known for that one thing you put on. You're wearing humility. I'm sorry. Wash it every day if you want. You're wearing that cloak every day. Put it on. Yeah. Be known. Hey, that's that guy that walks around in humility. That's a great thing to be known for. And it's also, it's also the thing that postures you to receive his grace. You're being challenged to step in, to be humble. You're actually being invited into his grace. Amen? Amen. This is why Paul sounds glad when he get, he, he's, it's almost like he said, I get to be humble. I get to be humble. Because in this humility, I'm then, I'm, I'm then going to be content and thankful, and I'm receiving the flows of God's grace. He's understanding that true satisfaction, freedom, are found in God's grace, and God's grace is enough. Sufficient for your life. God's calling you to a task, and you may look at this task and say, there's nothing about me that says this task is getting done. And this is where the power of God shows up in your life. By God's grace, it's getting done. I'm sure all of us have stories where we say, I don't know how I got through that, but by the grace of God. It's just not, not, that's not just a saying, it's fact. I got through it by the grace of God. His power showed up. And it's all we need. Look at this, this will be our last verse this morning. Hebrews 13, 13 9. It says, don't be led away by divisive and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food which, which have not benefited those devoted to them. He, in this passage, you can read further the whole chapter. He's saying, listen, there's all sorts of these tips and tricks on how to get closer to God and how to strengthen your life up. You ever seen those life hack videos? Or like, oh, look, this cool chip and trick you've never seen. Well, when it comes to God's grace, when it comes to approaching God's grace, when it comes to living a more satisfied life, it's found in His grace. There's no life hack beyond humbly believe and receive His grace. Everything else, those Christian life hacks, say, well, if you just do this, those Christian life hacks, they're just, they're just ways to replace God's grace with works. So that then you feel like God owes you. God never owed anybody. He's most certainly not going to owe me anything. <laughs> Stick to his grace. Live in his grace. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I know Blake has to go around and collect people. <laughs> What's best for us is to be strengthened, empowered, and sustained by His grace. I don't want us to be confused in thinking what is best for us is that God remove every hardship and struggle in our life. That may be part of His plan for you. It may be part of His plan. When I look across the way and I see, wow, God did something miraculous in their life, I can rejoice all the same because they're receiving the same grace that I'm receiving and being sustained by it. Your life was created from the beginning. This is God's intention from the beginning to be sustained by God's empowering grace. Amen? Yes. Amen. So this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to say, God, give me your grace. God, I humbly say, I need you. I need you. I'm relying on you. If you choose to not let up in this area, if you choose to not take this struggle, this hardship away, I'm still going to praise you all the more because you are God, and I need you, and I know as long as I'm in the flows of your grace, I'm going to be sustained, I'm going to be empowered, I'm going to have all I need. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, a God of grace who sits on the throne of grace, who is freely giving his grace. Your undeserved favor lavished on us, Father, we thank you. And Lord, we this morning confidently approach your throne of grace because you are a God who is a very present help. We thank you, Lord. Father, show us in which direction you are calling us to humility that we may accept your invitation into grace. Be with us this morning, Lord, and allow us together as a body to worship you well. Amen.